Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasy baseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Hey, maybe 2018 was not your year. Maybe you didn't win any of your fantasy leagues. Well, it's time to bounce back. That's what we're talking about on today's show. Who's going to bounce back in 2019? That'll be in the second half of our show. Uh, and when we say who's going to bounce back, we're not talking about you. We're, we're talking about Chris Bryan and Gary Sanchez and you Darvish and Carlos Martinez. Is it going to happen? Uh, we'll discuss. We're also going to go through a little bit more of our Roto Draft, some news and notes, and your emails at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. I am Adam Azer. If you're new to the show, welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today. We are uh, five days a week during the season, and pretty soon we'll be five days a week in the in the preseason as we get closer to spring training. Scott White is here. Hello, Scott White. Hello, Adam. How's it going? It's going fine. All right. Hello, Chris Towers. What up? And you are doing well? Yeah, I'm good. Okay, Thank good. You. You're looking yeah, you're going about as well as your outro. <laughs> like, that was very terrible. I mean, I'm hoping not everybody's listening to headphones. I apologize, of course, to our users who are listening on headphones, but... It was just your car stereo or like a like a boombox. You're fine. fine. That was Heath Cummings telling Chris things were terrible. I was wondering, after that intro, it made me think, could we get a drop of Lucas's, is that your intro? <laughs> just play after your intro? <laughs> Probably. Somebody could put that. just be the intro every day. Into a new theme song, I'm sure. All right, let's uh, talk about that Roto draft. So we did the first five rounds on Monday's show. We gave you a best and worst pick from those rounds. And Heath was not on the show, so hi, Heath. Uh, welcome to the Road I Draft. I assume all of the best picks were mine. The, <laughs> actually, what you missed, uh, so Scott and I are are more aligned philosophically, so we call ourselves Team Scam. Chris and Heath are more aligned philosophically, so we call them Team Kreeth. Team Kreeth is falling apart at the seams. Chris criticized almost every one of your picks. It was awesome. Uh, That's not true. That's all that sounds there, sounds like Chris. There was there were several picks I didn't say anything about. <laughs> <laughs> okay, round six. Uh, round six is a roto draft and closers. You know, it's tough to it's tough to get three. You're you know you're lucky if you have two that you really like. So Blake Trinan was the first pick of round six, followed by Gene Segura, D Gordon, bounce back candidate. Cross our fingers. J T Realmuto, Scooter Jeanette. And Tommy Pham. That's the first six picks of round six. Trinan, Segura, D. Gordon, Realmuto, Jeanette, and Tommy Pham. Last six picks of round six. Edwin Diaz, Steven Strasburg, Jamison Tyone, Jose Abreu, James Paxton, and Carlos Martinez. Uh, so again, that's Edwin Diaz, Strasburg, Tyone, Jose Abreu, Paxton, and Carlos Martinez. We actually have three of the bounce-back candidates that I wanted to talk about in D. Gordon, uh, actually just two, and Carlos Martinez. But anyway, forget about that. Um, Heath, why don't you tell us a pick that stands out, good or bad, in round six? James Paxton was awful. No. That's <laughs> Chris's pretty pick. good, actually. Yeah, no, I like that. Okay. I'm pretty concerned about D. Gordon and his bounce-back status. 
And I'm pretty concerned about Gene Segura. So I guess those two going there at the start of the sixth round worry me a little bit. I don't love Scooter Jeanette all that much in the sixth round. Really? It was the uh, it was the the middle infielders that really bothered me. Oh, interesting. Okay, so I, I took Scooter Jeanette here, yeah. and I thought it, I thought it was mo- one of my better value picks, actually. Um, you know, maybe by just a round. But I was thrilled. He was actually the second second baseman I took because I took Altuve in round one. But I figure. Shoot, here's a chance for me to fill middle infield and get a nice boost in batting average. Uh, I better take it. His uh, current ADP is 90th overall. Well, I think that's not good. I think, but you could probably go earlier than that. him. I don't think so. Not okay. Well, okay. I haven't in, in our mock drafts. He hasn't gone later than this that I've seen. Why is it 90th but, overall? He had a bad second half. He was dealing with an injury, right? Jeanette, I mean, I think he finished pretty strong. Uh, he well, he, he has, hit seven he has home faded runs in the second half each of the last two years. He, his his slash line after the All Star break was two eighty six, three thirty three, four forty two. Uh, it was nothing special. His his pre All Star game slash line, he had like a nine hundred OPS, uh, eight ninety. So yeah, I mean, we could chop these numbers up a million different ways because he had you know from August first to the end of the season. He hit 297 with six homers. Well, um, that's that's only six home runs in in two months. The power. I, look, I I don't get. I guess I was saying, why is he going 90th? That doesn't make sense. He should be going earlier. Uh, what are people seeing in Scooter Jeanette that they don't like? I I'm thinking the late season struggles had something to do with it, but I really think it was like an elbow injury or something he was playing through, right? Yeah, there was there was a little something going on. Here's um, a red flag. Um. According to baseball references or baseball savants expected stats, he was the luckiest player in baseball who had more than 600 plate appearances based on their batted ball data. He should have, they say he should have hit 258, slugged 405. I don't know. They sound like a bunch of weasels over there. <laughs> I mean, he's okay. wow, taking shots. His batted ball data was basically the same as the year before, right? Well, it's a different batted ball data. No, it's a, it, I'm looking at 2017 and 2018. It's virtually identical. Okay, let's move on from that. stud Jeanette. second baseman two years in a row. Yeah, Scott, I, I don't know why everybody's so low. He, you got him 65th overall. If I could just say one thing about D. Gordon, and I'll save him for a little bit later. He got hurt really early. And so before his DL stint, 45 games, he batted 304 with 16 steals. But he played even part of that with a fractured big toe. Um, and so his first 34 games before he hurt his toe, he had 15 steals in 34 games and he batted 353. Of course, I don't expect him to bat 353, but D Gordon was D Gordon before his injury. And then he was terrible the rest of the season. I'll let you guys chime in on that later. Somebody give me a good pick from round six. A good pick from round six. I, I think the fact that Blake Trinan went swooping in and then taking Edwin Diaz after him is pretty yeah, pretty good move. I, I mean, I, I feel like it really shouldn't be much doubt that Diaz is the first closer. I do have Trinan second, but um, I, I think in terms of provenness, there's a gap there. And uh, if Jeanette hadn't been there for me, I was going to take Diaz. They were the two in my queue. All I right. just I have a tough time 
praising a closer in round six. Like I, it's fine, but I, I, I don't think it's praiseworthy. Um, <laughs> I think JT Romuto is probably the best pick in this round. Yeah, especially since he went like a round and a half after Gary Sanchez. Uh, okay, let's go to round seven. Round seven, uh, Craig Kimbrell to Heath, Justin Turner to Chris, Aroldis Chapman, Matt Olson, Eloy Jimenez, and Yasiel Puig. Kimbrell, Turner, Chapman, Matt Olson, Eloy Jimenez, Yasiel Puig. That's your first six. Followed by Mitch Haniger, Herman Marquez, Eddie Rosario, David Price, Will Myers, and Wilson Ramos. Uh, Haniger, Marquez, Rosario, David Price, Will Myers, Wilson Ramos. What's a bad pick or a good pick or a pick that stands out? Anyone, feel free to yell it out. I don't like a lot of this round, but I do like Eloy Jimenez. Okay. I think he has a chance to be just as good as guys like Ronald Acuna and Juan Soto. And he goes yeah, I mean, he, uh, 77th. I, I feel like he would go two rounds earlier in a world where Vladimir Guerrero doesn't exist because we could put all the hype on Aloy Jimenez, and um, he, he's deserving of hype. So I don't, I don't disagree with liking that pick. Uh, one that stands out to me as just being awful is Matt Olson who wasn't going as early as round seven last year when <laughs> people were <laughs> hopeful he could deliver this 50 homer season be one of the game's elite power hitters uh, there's still a lot of power there but in the majors and minors both it has been inconsistent and it looked like last year he really got hurt by his home park I'm not confident he's going to be even a 30 homer guy and he doesn't bring much else to the table other than power okay i i agree because of the home park it's probably too early but just looking at the stack house data for him he is a legitimate elite power hitter it may not show up because of plate discipline and because of the odaco coliseum but there's a chance that it really plays out. I, I do like Olsen to be better than he was last year. I just don't like him. I agree with Scott in terms of yeah. this is too early. Uh, if I may, he hit one more home run on the road than he did at home last year. And the difference was really batting average. He batted 227 well, at home yeah. and 266 on the road. And a lot of the problem was I mean, he had a 47% hard contact rate and a 16% home run to fly ball rate. If anybody's going to be at 25 to 35, 30% in terms of home run to fly a ball, it should be him. Yeah. And he was number four in average exit velocity overall, number seven in average exit velocity on fly balls and line drives. Uh, I also want to throw in, I didn't like the Adam Azer David Price pick. Chris hates David Price. I don't get why everybody likes him again. Uh, he kind of, cha- by the way, we were talking about Matt Olson earlier with all the stat cast stuff in case you missed that. David Price, uh, I, he, look, he finished strong. Um, I think he may have he, gotten over sort of a mental hurdle in Boston. And he had his worst peripheral since 2009. Uh, okay. But he, and he was even he, when he, he was like, really he bad that early. He had a great 11 start run where he had a 2.25 ERA, but he barely averaged six innings per start. He, also, he's not a workhorse anymore. Uh, okay. I guess I have to di- dive deeper into it. I, I don't know, like, okay, the pitchers that went after Price, Madison Bumgarner, I, then I took Jack Flaherty. That was a great pick. 
yeah, this I is think, the next I think round. Price and Bumgarner should probably go together. I just think they should go a little later. I think Bumgarner has a lot more upside. Than Price? Yes. I, absolutely. I, I'm having trouble He's, convincing myself to like <laughs> Madison Bumgarner he, at all. Bumgarner's still going consistently deep into games, and he's like, what, five years younger than Price? If one of them's going to turn it around and pitch better in 2019, it's Madison Bumgarner. I guess I see Heath's point I, that they're I guess, pretty similar. But I, I also think Bumgarner has the better chance of just the floor completely. I, I think based on the way starting the point we are within the starting pitcher rankings, it's fine to take Price here. It's not somebody I would be excited to take. This is probably just a stretch of starting pitchers I'm going to skip. But I, I think, Jack I, I think these would, are the appropriate names. Jack Flaherty was a phenomenal pick on the next round, Adam. Oh, thank especially you. Especially behind, behind those two. Why don't we go? <laughs> uh, my horrible pick of Price made my Flaherty pick so much better. Let's go to round eight. Uh, I think this will probably be our last round that we'll we'll go through. Um, Conforto, Bumgarner, Flaherty, Kenley Jansen, Joey Gallo, and A.J. Pollock. Conforto, Bumgarner, Flaherty, Jansen, Gallo, and Pollock. Followed by Peraza, Victor Robles, Aaron Hicks, Marcelo Zuna, Glaber Torres, and Michael Brantley. Uh, Jose Peraza, Robles, Hicks, Ozuna, Torres, and Brantley. I guess what stands out to me is we are at an uncertain time, like, in our lives. No, in the draft. It's, I, it's a lot of guys that you can't feel great about. Um, in, in my opinion, in this round, as we are at picks 85 through 96. There's only one pick I like here, and it's mine. Well, I think there's only one you, pick I like, and it's mine. Hold on, and so Whoa. Scott Scott took Are you Joey Gallo. Off Joey Gallo. Hold Chris? on, hold on. I thought he was your baby boy. Scott or took Joey Gallo, which I think is really worth noting that Joey Gallo went around after Matt Olson. Like, if you're gonna take Matt Olson, just take Joey Gallo first. Sure. Um, Scott likes Gallo. Chris likes Glaber Torres. His pick. Everybody likes Jack Flaherty. My pick. So who did he take in this round? <laughs> Oh, okay, no, I guess not. I like a I like a lot of this round. I like Conforto at the start of round eight. I think it's a good place to get him. I love the Flaherty pick. I like Scott's Joey Gallo pick. I like I think this is a good spot in Roto for both Jose Peraza and Victor Robles. I think the, those were good picks. I think here. the Pollock pick's good. I don't know about the Pollock pick. I love my Michael Brantley pick. I'm scared of Marcelo Zuna right now. Yeah, there's some really weird stuff going on with Marcelo Zuna's recovery from shoulder surgery. Basically, nobody from the team has seen him since the end of last season. And like, uh, Yadi Molina has talked about, like, he talked to him on the phone, but the GM a couple weeks ago was sounding very concerned about Marcelo Zuna because they just haven't seen him. They don't know what shape he's in. Uh, hey, real quick on Ozuna because he's in the bounce back candidate section. What did you say Matt Olson's hard contact and home run to fly ball rate was? 47% and 16%. Yeah, so Ozuna was 45.2% and 13.9%. So it's another guy who probably should have hit more home runs. He hit uh, 23 last year. Okay, so interesting round. I didn't say they were bad picks, but they're, they're gambles. Uh, I mean, Robles obviously a gamble. Torres, I guess he's a gamble. Conforto's a gamble. Flaherty's a gamble. Yeah. They're gambles. No, they're definitely gambles. I would, um, I, I'm not really sure totally where I stand with Robles because I, I had been thinking, okay, the one thing I know for sure I can count on him for 
in his rookie season of stolen bases. He might hit for average. He might eventually become a pretty good source of power. But stolen bases should translate immediately and, and definitely need those. But looking over his minor league track record, he had he didn't have a great success rate in stolen bases. Um, and he, it's not like he had one of those, you know, he, he had, I think he had one thirty steal season and usually he was in the 20s. So it's not like he was just running wild down there. He wasn't, he was running some and he's fast, but it, it wasn't with a great success rate and it wasn't as often as I was assuming it was. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know that, I don't know that he is going to be good for much more than 20, 25 steals. It is worth noting he's still 37 in 110 games, 27 in 114, and 19 in 52 games in 2018. Those aren't, but look at this. Look how many times he was caught. Yeah, I wasn't. wasn't. Yeah. And yeah, Chris. I was just responding to one part of your point. Okay. <laughs> That's all. I, just in terms of, I mean, if we compare his steal total... Like, usually when we think, oh, a guy has speed, you look at his minor league track record and there's a bunch of 30 steal seasons. I understand they don't play as many games in the minors as they do in the majors, but it just, it, it strikes me as not a very, the total strike me as not very impressive. And I made a point, I don't know, a couple shows ago, I think, about my thoughts on outfield. I really don't like it. And when you see a guy like Aaron Hicks going in this round and taking a gamble on Conforto and Robles. I mean, this is a five-outfielder league as well. Also, Marcelo Zuna, Michael Brantley going this round, A.J. Pollock going in this round. Uh, Joey Gallo is outfield eligible, right? Gallo? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So this, outfield first base. This is a heavy outfield round. Uh, did you guys feel like you needed to get at least your second outfielder at this point? This is round eight. I'm trying to see if it was my second outfielder. I think it was my first. Joey Gallo was my first. Yeah. I, so I'm, I'm not as concerned about outfield as you are. Okay. I feel like there's a lot of sleepers there. There are always a lot of sleepers there. And, um, I, I feel like you're, particularly in a roto league where there's so many hitter spots to fill, there's, there's always going to be a few spots where, you're kind of just hoping for the best, and it doesn't make a big difference to me whether that's outfield or middle infield. Actually, it, it, it seems like there's more ways to work with it if it is outfield, just because there are so many players who play the outfield. So I'd, I'd almost rather that be a little weaker. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there are always guys you could plug in, a, in on waivers. Okay, so news and notes, a few emails, and some bounce-back candidates right after this. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. To the news. The Miami Marlins signed Curtis Granderson to a minor league deal. Uh, I assume you guys are doing an NL-only draft soon. Is that coming up to, uh, on Friday? It is coming up Friday. Is Curtis Granderson going to be a part of that draft? Will he be drafted? No. I would assume so. Yeah. Oh. Okay. 
Why not? You, I mean, the the guys who get drafted in NL only or AL only leagues are are pretty putrid. <laughs> <laughs> they usually um, like Cameron Maben was someone we were definitely drafting in NL only leagues last year. In Roto, this is a head to head, so it's three outfielders. It's only ten teams, and Granderson isn't a full time player, and he's not very good. So I, I, I. I Stop maybe, talking bad about Chris's will. team. Yeah, he, 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 he might be the best hitter on the Marlins after they trade. Right. <laughs> Show some respect for Neil Walker, okay? <laughs> yeah, true. Also not a full-time player. Uh, the Speaking of Real Muto, the Phillies are showing interest. The Padres are showing interest. And we just wanted to end up in a hitter's park. The Reds have shown interest. So uh, we'll let you know what happens. The Rockies are optimistic about signing Nolan Arenado to a long-term deal, which is big news for Dynasty owners he's in his last uh, – well, he's – on a one-year deal right now. The Giants met with Bryce Harper, according to John Heyman. No! <laughs> that would be awful. That would be so bad for Bryce Harper. I, like, I think you almost have to knock him out of the second round. Really? It's such a bad place for left-handed power. Like I, I don't think people quite realize how bad uh, Oracle Park is for Oracle, yeah. left-handed hitters because... Barry Bonds was there, but it's it's really bad. Uh, the Royals are closing in on a deal for Brad Boxberger, according to John Heyman. Do you think he will beat out Willie Peralta to be the closer? I don't think either is very good, but I think Boxberger is a little better, so it's possible. Okay. The Nationals signed Jeremy Hellickson. Any interest in Jeremy Hellickson? I'm interested... From the perspective that I think you could have made a case for Joe Ross as a deep sleeper, and this is at least competition for him. I don't know for sure that he's going to bump him out, but uh, it would be be it would be sad if he did. And the designated hitter could be coming to an NL park near you soon, but probably Woo! not this year. <laughs> probably not 2019. Oh, just enough with pitchers hitting. It needs to happen. It's going to be wonderful. <laughs> so does anybody, am I the only one that likes pitchers hitting on this podcast? It, it's, it's an objectively terrible thing. So It does seem to be the prevailing opinion on Twitter. Think people kind of gravitate toward the same opinion on Twitter. It's weird how that works, but uh kind of happens with everything. And it seems to be, they seem to be congregating around DH and the NL would be good. But I, it does remove quite a bit of strategy from the game and it over the the long slog of a baseball season the times when a pitcher does something worthwhile with the bat end up being some of the most memorable times mm, i've heard that so i've heard you make that argument that. i just don't care <laughs> let's just do a home run derby for pitchers at the all-star game and we will get four or five times as memor- as many memorable moments <laughs> as pitchers do in games <laughs> It's so bad. Gosh, they're so bad at hitting now. I mean, they, yeah, they'd hit like four home runs. That's about well, that's four why, times that's as many why, memorable That's moments. why there's so much strategy to it because they, you know, that you have to weigh, yeah. gosh, this is like an automatic out, but it's a good pitcher. And, and you know, obviously it I affects like how the, the you, other you know team what approaches a, the lineup. You know what has a lot of strategy in baseball, Scott? Shit. What? <laughs> I, don't, I think this has a lot more. I well, mean, like a six-year-old could execute a double shift or a double switch. Well, I'm not. I don't even care so much about the double switch. That's just one minor aspect of it. Like the, the entire way the opposing team approaches 
a lineup, knowing that there's this automatic out at the end. Uh, and the and the way a manager approaches his pitching staff, knowing uh, I have to have a guy in the bullpen because the pitcher spot's going to be up fourth in this inning or whatever. Let's I mean, it, it would change so much. You are waxing poetic mm-hmm. about the mm-hmm. strategy involved with dealing with an utterly incompetent person <laughs> on your team. Yeah, it's just not a good argument. Well, like someone who is like barely better than the average fan in the but stands. He, but he's competent um, in terms of preventing runs, which is why it, it creates an interesting dilemma. It's terrible. It, not so, in the modern era. I don't think it does anymore. It's Everybody's pitching four and third, third innings anyway. <laughs> What an exaggeration that is. Uh, so a Twitter poll, should the NL have the designated hitter? We are underway. It's currently very close. Uh, yes has... Fi- come on, refresh, refresh. I'll let you know. Uh, quick round of email. Yes has 61% and no has 39%. Yes starting to pull away. Okay, a quick round of emails. This is from Ian. Why no love for Eddie Rosario? I feel like he's the best player from last season that hasn't been discussed on any offseason podcasts. Would love to hear the crew's thoughts on Eddie Rosario in particular, uh, though as he helped me in both my leagues last year, I am wondering how he will be valued this year. Oh, it was such I, a such a steep decline over the course of the season. Yeah, like there was a point in I think about June where if you looked at his last 365 days, Eddie Rosario looked like the kind of outfield bat that should go in like round two or something. And then it just all fell apart over the last three months. He had a total of six home runs at about 250. So much of his production is tied to his batting average, and that's always a tight rope walk. Uh, and if he's not, if he's not producing power, it, it, it really, it, it really limits his mixed league appeal. He did play through a calf injury for most of the last month of the season. It's worth noting, but there are some real red flags uh, in his profile. He had a ton of infield fly balls last year, become increasingly pull heavy, swing straight rate went back up. He swings at a ton of pitches out of the zone. It feels like a profile that could get exposed. I, I will just say in defense of Eddie Rosario, and I don't love him. I think I was always a low guy on him last year. But it's two consecutive years of a near 290 average with mid-20s homers, around 80 runs, around 80 RBI, and just shy of 10 stolen bases with a good strikeout rate and pretty decent, If there, even if there are troubling signs, pretty decent batted ball data. I don't, I don't think he's going to be bad. Yeah, yeah that's, he's, probably, he's not a star. that's probably about what he is. I, I have him ranked similarly to Nick Castellanos. I think Nick, Nick Castellanos' batted ball profile is a little better. Uh, it makes him a little less risky, but I think the upside is similar for the two. But you know, there was a time, not long ago, just a few months ago, when I thought Rosario's upside was even higher than that. And in fairness yeah. to Rosario, his batted ball data would probably be as good as Castellanos's if he played his home <laughs> games in Detroit. Well, and Rosario's another guy <laughs> with a great hard hit rate, forty-four, forty-four point one percent, but twelve percent home run to fly ball rate. So he probably. He possibly could have hit more home runs, you know. In the infield year. fly ball rate is relevant there. Okay. Well, uh, oh, all right. Okay. But uh, what was I going to say? Uh, oh, yeah. He's he's just streaky. He's really streaky. So might be. Yeah. Take take that into account. Uh, basically, like Scott said, the last half of 2017 and the first half of 2018, basically an 890 OPS. 
Uh, but he does, he never walks, so he's worse in point leagues, points leagues. I'll just tell you where Rosario's finished each of the last two years. Uh, 2017, he was the number 31 outfielder in points and number 23 in Roto. And in 2018, he was 26th in points and 18th in Roto, so he's going to be better in a non-points league. Next email is from, uh, no name, sorry, but he says, hey, Chase, Rubble, Rocky, and Marshall. Those are Four of the six regular members of the Paw Patrol. That's right. Rubble on the double. I know you talk about Acuna not stealing as much if he hits in the middle of the order, but what about Andrew Benintendi if he bats first? Will that affect Benintendi's stolen base numbers? And he will likely lead off for the Red Sox. Do you think he will steal more bases? I looked into this over the last couple of seasons with the Red Sox. Basically, the only time that they've had a big gap in where the stolen bases come from in the order was where Mookie Betts was batting. So if he bats third, they get a lot of stolen bases from the third spot. If he bats leadoff, they get a lot of stolen bases from the first spot. They're not a team like the Braves that has like a consistent history of guys not running depending on where they're at in the lineup. At least the Braves in the Snicker era. Yeah, in the Snicker era. <laughs> I think it predates the Snicker era, but you just like to bring up the Snicker era. It makes me snicker. <laughs> From Rosendo, should we draft Steven Strasburg in the fourth or fifth round, or should we rank Strasburg lower? <laughs> uh, it's kind of it. It depends. I, I I imagine in most leagues he's going to go later than that. In this mock draft we did, it's a roto league. He went in round six, um, but he is outside the elite tier for me. I have him in the same tier as like. Um, I think I'm with like the Mike Clevengers of the world, so I wouldn't want to reach for him. I, I've Injury got him in history the, is pronounced. I've got him in the Paxton Severino tier. Uh, I think fifth round is fine. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I have Severino and Paxton in different tiers. <laughs> it is worth remembering that uh, he was arguably the best pitcher in baseball in 2017. Mm-hmm. I mean, he only made 28 starts, and he's only made 30 plus starts twice. But the potential is still there for him to be as good or better than the Aaron Nolas of the world. So I'm just going to say this about Strasburg, right? He's had a 346 ERA or worse in three of his last four years. Mike, the other year he had a like 250 ERA or something, 252. My question is, if you were just going to predict an ERA for a healthy Steven Strasburg, a guy who's had a 346 ERA or higher three of his last four years, what would you predict a healthy Strasburg ERA to be? Three. Three point two nine. <laughs> I, I'll go three four. Oh, so I think you're too high, Scott. Okay, but he has a two ninety nine FIP over the last four seasons combined. I, I mean, I, I kind of went through it this afternoon because I knew I was going to read this email, and you know how good I am at creating narratives based on time. Date. The oh, date. I, lo- I love it. Yeah. Love it. Well, I'm not going to go through it all because it would take too long. But if you kind of eliminate the starts that he made when he got hurt or his first start coming off the DL or when he was pitching with an injury at the beginning of the 2015 season because he had an ankle injury in spring training. So you're you're dealing with like a four-start sample size. <laughs> it, I mean, he's he's amazing. He's incredible. But his That's numbers have been bogged down by these stretches or these one terrible, one or two terrible starts where he's pitching hurt. 
and I think it's deceiving. So I think I think a healthy Strasburg is kind of almost like a healthy Syndergaard, but I don't know that for yeah. a fact. But the, just... the upside is like the one year he made 34 starts and threw 200 innings with the 2017 run prevention. Okay, last yeah, two more emails from Carl. I'm looking through catchers for my draft prep, trying to figure out how rookies like Jansen and Mejia could perform without having a lot of data. Guys, how could Danny Jansen and Francisco Mejia perform uh, this year? We do have a lot of data, just not at the major league level. Uh, both of them at, in the minors had decent pop, great plate discipline, Um the thing to keep in mind is the catchers tend to develop slower. They tend to take more time to uh, hit their stride at the major league level. I think there are obvious reasons for that. They have a lot more off-field responsibilities and between-inning responsibilities. So they can't. You probably shouldn't draft them for their upside this year. But take it in take it in in, in mind because Jansen could be a high-average, uh, decent pop kind of guy. He could be a top-five catcher this year. The, the, Right. I mean, there's so few catchers with upside that there comes a point where you might as well just take them and hope for the best. And that point is uh pretty much after the top eight are off the board. You might throw Cervelli in there as a ninth, particularly in a points league. A lot but, of risk uh, there, though. Yeah. They're, they're both, Jansen and Mejia are both worth drafting as starters. And then, of course, Mejia has playing time concerns that might force you to hit the eject button in April. But um but you gotta take the chance on the upside because what comes after is pretty much yucky all around. And Jansen I think is you talk about Cervelli being the ninth in a points league. I mean Jansen he's got such good plate discipline in the minors. He had basically one walk to strike out. He's a great OBP source. And if he has a good batting average, he's a great walk source. So he'll be better in points leagues. Um than a batting average Roto League. And now we go to bounce back candidates because Marcel's question is about Zach Godley and Luis Castillo. Uh, any chance that Godley and Castillo can deliver this year or are they just Jags, as in just a guy? So I got a whole list, but I'll start with that because of the email from Marcel. Godley and Castillo. Who's got a better chance of bouncing back? Castillo. In fact, I like Castillo for a breakout this year. He... Has the best, one of the best swing, swing and miss changeups in the game. And in, in terms of, uh, the three areas that contribute to FIP, the ones the pitcher has the most direct control over, home runs, strikeouts, walks, there is enough evidence in his history to suggest he could be a standout in all three. I think, uh, last year was mostly just dealing with consistency of mechanics and consistency of location. But that's something that every young pitcher has to, you know, some obviously have more strides to make than others, but every young pitcher has to go through that. And Castillo, if he comes out on the right side of it, could be awesome. Does anybody have faith in Godley this year? I think the price is low enough that it's worth taking a chance on. He still, you know, can generate ground balls at a healthy rate, still got a decent amount of strikeouts. Um yeah, I, I think there's definitely a bounce back argument to be made. And Scott, if I could just ask you a follow up on Castillo, aren't home runs a big problem for him? Well, he is a ground ball. He has ground ball tendencies uh, that lead me to believe 
that they shouldn't be. Sure. The the I, one thing. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. You go ahead. I'll go in that last. <laughs> you you've been just sitting there not talking. <laughs> speak up, Heath. I didn't realize. Yeah, you know you what, Heath? An invitation. Speak up. You're on the show. Um, I want to hear from Heath. No, I want to hear from Heath. Go, Heath. Wow. <laughs> I do think it's, uh, Chris is leaving. <laughs> now, come on. I do think there's a good chance Castillo's going to have some home run problems just because of the ball, the park he pitches in. What's going to be really interesting with him in terms of the ground balls, he was a pretty good ground ball pitcher in the minor leagues at times. And then he had seasons kind of like last year where it really wasn't at all. And so I don't know that we can expect the 58% from his rookie year. He was at 459 last year. If he gets it back to That's 50, pretty good. I mean, 459 still pretty good. He was as a rookie, he was phenomenal in terms of getting ground ball. He was at 39% that same year in the minor leagues. Right, that's the thing that we have to keep in mind and this is a good thing to remind yourself of generally is he pitched 89 innings as a rookie and they were incredible. I loved what he did. But it was still 89 innings. A lot of it was really out of step with what he'd established in the minor leagues. And there, you know, he, he can't get lefties out very well. He gives up like an 800 OPS against them. That's surprising given that the changeup is his best pitch. Um, but it's true. He's been better at home than he has been away. He's been kind of a disaster away from home. That's weird. Um, and he's been really bad with runners on base. So he's learning how to pitch. I feel like, yes, there are, there are some stats you could look at and say, well, that's not good. But when you're not locating the ball well and when you're struggling with your mechanics, that's what happens. Like those, those are kind of cure-alls in terms of, uh, refining the, the, the rough edges. Yeah. And and, And I like uh, changing, chasing the upside there, but he still does have a 412 FIP for his career and a 377 Sierra. So it's not, it's not like he's just had bad luck. The skill indicators haven't been there yet. Okay, but but he's still uh, Castillo could give you a good whip. I mean, he had a 108 whip in 2017, and he kind of struggled last year. And he had a 122 whip, which isn't terrible, and he should give you plenty of strikeouts. And do you do you like Castillo, Chris, or do you not like Castillo? Because you're <laughs> yes. you're giving me a strong impression that you don't, and I'm not sure you mean to. You asked whether I like him or whether I don't like him. Yes. Okay. <laughs> he's he's a young pitcher who has not figured it out, and sometimes they figure it out, and sometimes they don't. the well, The book on him as a prospect was he might be a reliever, and so far he's pitched like he might be a reliever. I could say that I he basically say. he basically had six terrible starts to start the year, and then he more or less turned it around after that. I mean, his last twenty five starts he had a three fifty seven ERA. Last fourteen starts Castillo had a two sixty three ERA. So let's not be too harsh on the guy. I, no, I like him. I don't like him quite as much as everyone else does. Okay. Because he's got a 10th round ADP right now. Uh, I mean, with David Price was a great pick in the seventh round, so. Castillo. And I'd rather have Castillo than Price for sure. <laughs> okay, let's, uh, let's do some bounce back candidates other than those two. I think the best thing to do is let's put them into groups. I'm going to go like groups of four. And you tell me the most likely to bounce back to like what we drafted him to be in 2018. All of these guys were first, second, or third round picks. Jose Altuve, Chris Bryant, Carlos Correa, and Gary Sanchez. Jose Altuve, Chris Bryant, Carlos Correa, Gary Sanchez. Well, Heath. that's an easy one. Yeah, who? That, that, that's an easy one. It's it's Jose Altuve. 
is the most likely to bounce back. Missed time with injury last year. Didn't run quite as much. And we like we probably should have expected the power maybe to come back just a little bit. But I, he still should be the odds-on favorite to lead baseball on batting average. He should get back to his 25, 30 steals. And I, he's going to score a ton of runs and drive some in as well. 100% agreed. Okay, then. How about the next three? Scott, first word here. Chris Bryant, Carlos Correa, Gary Sanchez. Most likely to bounce back in 2019. Sanchez. I don't really have any concerns about him. Of this group of four, the ones I'm discounting based on what they did last year are Bryant and Correa. And uh, neither is so neither is such a concern for me that they're going on my bus list. But they both dealt with vague injuries that severely hampered their production last year. And because it's not this concrete thing that, okay, he had surgery and he's fixed now. Like I actually view surgery as as a as a a promising sign sometimes because we know it was addressed. Um, Brian a shoulder issue, Correa a back issue. Those seem like things that could nag a player for years. That Chris, they both have me a little concerned. Chris Bryant did have a very important thing removed. Oh, he, he did a, chili uh, Davis. He, he, no, he had a chili Davis removal. <laughs> yeah, I'm very optimistic about that. <sighs> yeah, I thought about that. I was looking at that. It doesn't seem like. Let me pull up my Chris Bryant notes. I don't think he hit too. I don't think his opposite field approach changed much last year, did it? And that's kind of the criticism of uh, Chili Davis. Like he wants you to go oppo. It's not so much that as just the general don't hit home. I don't want you trying to hit home runs approach. That's what I worry about. Okay. And so the home runs for Chris Bryant in four seasons, 26, 39, 29, and 13. And when he hit 29 home runs in 2017, um, he was the number three third baseman in, in both formats, but he was the number 15 hitter in points. Bryant was number 30 in Roto, 295, 29 homers, 73 RBIs, 111 runs, 7 steals. Great plate discipline that year, 95 walks, 128 Ks. That's why he was a lot better in points than Roto. And maybe number 30 hitter in Roto, maybe he was like closer to 20 in OBP Roto because that's a batting average Roto league. Um, I guess but, my question is but like the bottom line is he's, he wasn't we, elite. We, we thought he was going to be one of the elite power hitters, and he's shown he can be that. And then he hit 29 home runs. Right. So, so when you factor that in with last year, it's like we don't even know what he's bouncing back to. Correct. Like, is he a 30? I'm going to say 39, but is he a 35 homer guy? Does anybody think Chris Bryant is still capable of that? Oh, for sure, he's capable. Mm-hmm. Realistically capable, I guess. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he did that. But okay. I, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he hit 22. Also. Okay. All right. Let's go to our next group. Joey Votto. Brian Dozier, you Darvish. Joey Votto, Brian Dozier, you Darvish. Heath, who's the most likely to bounce back? I'll go with Joey Votto just because I assume he's going to continue to tinker and he may find something that turns him back into one of the best hitters in baseball again. And he had a lot of things about his production last year that looked unlike unlucky. Watching him and his approach at the plate, it, it looked weird for a lot of the year like he was just so intent on either going the other way or making contact and still he's a guy that walked more than he struck out and hit 284 with a little bit of bad luck 
So I expect him to bounce back to a certain degree. Okay, so the three yeah. the three were Vado, Dozier, and Darvish, and Vado is the only one. I know he did get hurt late in the year, but he's the only one that probably wasn't clearly affected by an injury. Is that fair to say? Because Dozier dealt with a knee injury and Darvish was a mess all year. Yeah, I also I think there's a chance Dozier's done. Also, like it's not a guarantee, but it's it's very possible to me. Whereas I don't think that's the case with Joey Votto. Dozier's Dozier's such a weird player to 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 project. I feel like right now because my my senses, just my instincts, kind of tell me the same thing. But his batted ball profile was. Almost identical yeah. to the one he had in 2017 when he uh, was a stud, a guy we were drafting in like round two or three last year, right? And, you know, I wonder how much of it was just he didn't get that late season surge that he's always counted on because the Dodgers were benching him all the time down the stretch. And, you know, if that's if that has as much to do with it as I suspect it might, well... What what's what's going to happen while we're waiting for the late season surge this year? You know, coming off the year he just had, can we really wait around for that? Just trusting it's going to be there? I don't think we can. So it's he has to he has to kick it into high gear early, I think, to uh, to justify his draft spot, even recognizing that he's going much later than we're used to seeing him. Go. Yeah. And if I'm if I'm pessimistic about Dozier and optimistic about Votto, I'm just uh, shrug emoji about you, Darvish, because I have no idea what to expect in terms of health or performance when he's actually pitching. But he is the cheapest of this group. Looks like he is available in the 14th round of NFBC drafts. And if he falls to that point, then he's well worth it with his upside. Yeah, I, I actually took both Dozier and Darvish back-to-back in rounds 11 and 12 of our Roto League, 130th for Dozier, 135th for Darvish. Uh, I just, I refuse to believe that you Darvish is is washed up. I mean, he had elbow surgery. He had a stress reaction in his elbow. He had a tricep strain. The Cubs thought that the, the stress reaction was buzz, bugging him all the way back to the end of May. Um, it just, he was a total mess. 2017, though, he wasn't great. He had a 386 ERA. But he did have 209 strikeouts in 186 and two-thirds innings, one and one-six ERA, top 25 well, pitcher. Darvish, I, I, I think I obviously share the injury concerns. You have to, but I don't actually share the performance concerns because you might remember there was this whole thing in about May of last year about his release point, and he made some adjustments to get his release point back to being consistent with every pitch. And his three of his last four starts were awesome. He looked like regular U Darvish. And it's just, you know, obviously the season got swallowed by the injury and it's easy to forget that that happened. So I, I, I feel pretty good if he's healthy, he's going to be U Darvish again. I, I just don't know for sure what regular U Darvish is anymore. He had a 386 ERA in 2017. You I'll look take at that if it gives he's, you, if he gives you the innings and strikeouts. He's I'll never been a, ERA. he's never been a great run prevention guy though. Yeah, I, I think he can be better than 386 because if you look at 2017, once he moved to the National League, got out of Texas, he had a 344 ERA with the Dodgers, 401 ERA with the Rangers, although he was pretty crappy at Dodger Stadium, ironically. But, I mean, look, 
sure, he's not going to have like a two two ninety ERA or anything, but he should yeah. strike out two hundred batters. He's going to be if he if he throws a hundred and eighty innings. Yes, yeah, yeah he's yeah. done that once since two thousand thirteen. It's it's even less about <laughs> okay, can I trust him to stay off the DL all year than how many innings is he going to give me on a start to start basis? Can he look like an ace for the time that he's healthy? And I think he still can. All right, let's move on here. Let me talk about a couple of middle infielders who uh, have been good steal sources. One of them a great steal source. I already made the case for a D Gordon bounce back. Uh, Elvis Andrews is the other one. Who's more? Who are you more confident in in bouncing back, Elvis Andrews or D Gordon? I'll say I, Gordon. I guess Gordon. Yeah. Uh, Gordon, there's a lot more to like if he bounces back. That's really what it's more about for me. Sure. Uh, I don't know how much I'm going to miss regret passing up Andrews if he bounces back. I mean, what Andrews did in 2017 was really impressive. Really it was really and it looked somewhat sustainable. But um, it was also an outlier. Right. And, you know, he's, he's not that. Like, D. Gordon was one of the premier sources of both batting average and stolen bases, which are two of the hardest categories to fill. Um, Andrews was more just kind of, the, the, the hole was greater than the sum of the parts, which made him, I think, more valuable in points league than rotisserie. But, um, there's so many shortstops. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's more about like the, the, the stat scarcity that Gordon can fill that Andrews can't. So what did you that think about, him... what'd you think about what I said about D. Gordon and, what he did before his injury. He's batting like 350 with like a, like a 75 steal pace or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a good point. I'm not super confident he's got if I, if I if I was, I'd be taking him in round 5 and bouncing back to being 50 steals guy again, but there's a reasonable chance of it. And players with his skill set tech typically do not age well. You know, we saw Juan Pierre hit a similar part in his career and just kind of fall apart. Um, I will say, like, it's hard to see 2019 being worse than 2018 for him. It's, and part of it may also depend on where he hits in the order. Because I, I have seen, I think Roster Resource has him hitting ninth with Malik Smith leading off for the Mariners. If he's the number nine hitter, that's that's going to seriously cramp his style. Yeah, that's a problem. I, I feel like if D. Gordon's good, he won't hit ninth. You know, they yeah, that's kind of how I feel too. Yeah. All right, uh, how about how about three starting pitchers: Carlos Martinez, Robbie Ray, Dallas Keuchel. Carlos Martinez, Robbie Ray, Dallas Keuchel. Most confident in a bounce back from Martinez. Martinez. Yeah. I'm not sure I want anything to do with the other two: Robbie Ray and Dallas Keuchel. Thoughts? I need. To, yeah. I would need to see what Robbie Ray's ADP is. I'm looking it up now. 117th, so yeah, ninth round in a 12-team really? league, like seventh round in a 15-team league. That's pretty pricey. Yeah, it's a little earlier than I'd want to take him. But, you know, obviously not every draft is going to go according to ADP, and there will be some drafts where he slips to round 12. I might start looking at him then. Would you take Darvish or Ray? Darvish. Right. <laughs> Break the tie here. I think the best case scenario for both looks pretty similar, and one of them's not coming off an injury. Yeah, I dig Ray. 
Ray did uh, have an oblique injury last year, but you're right. He's not coming off. An yeah, injury. I mean, like not a not a like. A, I don't know how, what the what the right word I'm thinking of. His Arm injury. Yeah, but also like. Yes. Surgery. <laughs> Career full of injuries. <laughs> also that. Uh, like I think the most yeah. likely scenario is both of them walk probably a few too many guys, give up a three eight three. 3-8 to 3-5 ERA, and Ray's not hurt, or Ray's not coming off a serious injury. But Ray might be pitching five innings at a time, while Darvish would be six-plus. It's a great That's point. I don't think Darvish's point. innings per start have been as good since he came back from his injury in 2016. Well, I, I just want to say this about Robbie Ray. His last 11 starts, 265 ERA, but a 131 whip. And in those 11 starts, 265 ERA, only three quality starts, did not pitch more than six and a third in any of those starts, despite averaging 101 pitches per start. So just so it, inefficient. Yeah, in, in 2016, Darvis averaged 5.8 innings per, per start. In 2017, he was at exactly six innings per start. Yeah, uh, six innings per start is pretty good. Not in last year, he was five. Well, yeah, but last year, obviously, most of those starts weren't good, so they, he was getting pulled early. One more round of who will bounce back. I got two outfielders and a closer. Kenley Jansen, Marcelo Zuna, Justin Upton. Kenley Jansen, Marcelo Zuna, Justin Upton, most likely to bounce back. Ozuna. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Upton, I guess. I don't feel like he was that far off from what he normally is. Yeah, I don't. What? Why is he a bounce back candidate? Well, let me tell you something. I this is the only guy on my list that I didn't uh, didn't do notes on. So <laughs> I, think, I think it is. I, I, I thought he was pretty crappy good, last year. I think that is a good point about Justin Upton, which is that yeah, he sucks. He put he puts he's going to hit two sixty to two seventy five every year. He's going to steal. You know, eight to fifteen bases. He's going to hit thirty plus home runs, but nobody's ever going to be excited to draft him, and it's kind of silly. His ADP is ninety three, um, and I think you illustrated kind of the general vibe around Justin Upton, which is he's probably at this point underrated. We viewed him as a stud for a long time. Uh, now he is no longer viewed as a stud, but we've probably gone too far the opposite way. Is that I my point? On Fangraphs, the ATC projection, it's 256, 30 home runs, 86 runs, 91 RBI, 8 steals. Okay, so that's going to be a, a top that's 25 very, very good. Then here's yeah. what happened with Justin Upton. He had a great year in 2017. And mm-hmm. basically, last year, 2018, Upton did what Upton does. So, I guess I phrased it wrong. He He probably shouldn't be on the list. He just... He shouldn't be expected to put up the 2017 numbers. Uh, but the but projection, yeah. He's in chance he has better run production numbers this year. Sure. I mean, you're in the same lineup as Trout. That helps a lot. And uh, I think that was part of what we were crediting for. Cause, cause those 2017, he, he was, he had this surge once he got traded to the Angels that, you know, boosted, boosted all his numbers pretty much across the board just a little bit higher than what they normally are for him. And I think maybe that made him kind of sniff elite status again. But last year, I think, was closer to what we usually see from him, and it's still awfully good. Uh, But all he does is homer. Like, he doesn't 
do anything. Justin Upton, well, not good in batting you average. Wish he you drives in runs. He Adam. scores runs. Doesn't, he, he gets on base a lot. He's 80 good plus there. runs in RBI is, is valuable. Yeah, okay, it is. Look, here's the thing. It he's is. 93rd overall in ADP right now. <laughs> he's the kind of guy that, like, if you take in the fifth round, it's probably not going to be great, but you'll probably never have to think about taking him out of the lineup because, yes, he's going to slump. You're not going to be able to predict when the slump starts and when the slump ends. You just sit him in your lineup. He's going to play every day. Just don't think about it, but don't take him in the fifth round. Take him in the seventh round. And yeah, I think he's probably going to give you a fifth or sixth round value. Yeah, that's yeah, that's probably true. Number thirty outfielder in points, number twenty in roto last year. All right, so that's Justin Upton. Who's more likely to bounce back, Kenley Jansen or Marcelo Zuna? Yes. What's what's wrong with Kenley Jansen? Like, why are you guys not not? Oh, him? he's to to me, he's I I don't have confidence in him at all. He's he's somebody I'm not going to draft in any leagues this year. Uh, because he has his velocity is declining, his stuff appears to be declining in terms of missing bats. He uh, was actually lucky last year. I, I want to say with FIP, I'll pull that up to confirm. Very, very much so. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then you throw the health concerns on top of it, which are not even what we're used to seeing in a baseball context. I mean, we're talking about potentially life-changing stuff. Him needing multiple heart surgeries, I, I, that can't help with any of that. I, I think he might be running out of gas here. I I will say some of his unluckiness. He was also unlucky in terms of home runs, and his Sierra was actually two nine seven, so very very close to his ERA. I don't know that there's much hope of him bouncing back to a sub two ERA. Kenley Jansen. I still think he's fairly likely to be a top six or seven closer. Yeah, look, I, I like to make cases on both sides of the argument, and I think when I was doing the, the research, the notes on all these guys, I, I pretty much could. You can always kind of swing it whichever way you want. And with Jansen, I just <laughs> I wish they hadn't gone to the World Series again because I, I think maybe one of the things that hurt him last year was he had a huge workload in 2017, including in the postseason, in the World Series, which went seven games against the Astros, he pitched in like six of seven games. But, of course, last year he had another heavy workload. They tried to help Jansen by skipping spring training last year. But that was also he was dealing with an injury. He had a hip issue during the spring. Okay, well, he's he's like, I'm pitching in spring training this year. So he's hoping that we'll get his velocity up earlier. And, look, again, I'm just trying to give both sides of the coin. He's try, you know, He's trying to make the adjustment yeah. from what didn't work last uh, year. And and he was he showed last year he could make do with lesser stuff. I just feel like once I, I just feel like when you remove a pitcher's stuff, it, it's kind of unpredictable how things are going to spiral from there. And there are aspects of his stat line that lead me to and I, I could could say the same thing for Madison Bumgarner, by the way, that just lead me to believe he's barely hanging on in any little bit more that his stuff gets diminished is going to completely ruin him yeah okay um, one thing i will say is edwin diaz was worse than kenley jan edwin diaz in 2017 was worse than kenley jansen in 2018 uh we you know i mentioned earlier with luis castillo he was awesome as a rookie but it was 89 games kenley jansen's not going to throw he hasn't thrown 89 innings in a season ever and so this is one of those things with relievers where I hit like six or seven bad outings. And I think with Kenley Jansen, that was basically yep. what it was. It yeah. was just right at the beginning of the season. 
and right at the end, it was right around in the beginning of the season, coming back from that hip issue at the end of the season, you know, he had two different heart scares. That's, that might be a good excuse. And, you know, like, yes, he was a little bit diminished, but the Sierra was still 297. If he puts up a three ERA with 90 strikeouts and 70 innings next season, okay, he's not the best closer in baseball. He's still really good. Well said, Chris Towers. Well said, Scott White and Heath Cummings. Thank you guys for hopping on Fantasy Baseball today. Tell your friends, spread the word, and give us a nice review on uh, on iTunes if you wouldn't mind. For Chris, Scott, and Heath, I'm Adam. We'll talk to you on Friday with our third of the week. See you later. Nice words, Adam.